education in and of itself and and more information isn't necessarily the key to success. No. And that's what I had tried for years. And even went off and got a doctorate in, in homiletics, thinking if I was just a, a better preacher, I'd pull them in. And, uh. um, you know, but uh, like I said, it just lies. People might have been in, intellectually enriched, maybe. Right. Um, but, um, but that transformation of, of life... Um, just didn't seem to be happening. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to the Leadership Podcast. My name is Ron Huntley, and I am your host. I would love to invite you to engage in a podcast that we're going to be recording later on, specifically on dealing with conflict in a missional parish. In other words, if your parish is trying to get somewhere and you're running into relational conflict, how do you deal with that? I think there's probably a lot of really pointed questions that you might have on that very topic. And when we design that podcast, when we have that podcast, we want to answer your questions. And so go to huntleyleadership.com slash questions and fill in your questions and we will build the podcast around the best questions asked. So I look forward to that. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a story of hope. We're going to be talking with Father Ed Shuttleworth about where he's at now in his priesthood and where he hopes to go as he begins this relationship and leadership coaching. It's a really cool concept. I'm really excited to have this conversation because I'd love to have this conversation again a year from now. So, Father Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. Good to be here with you. (laughs) (laughs) We're setting ourselves up for another podcast a year from now. Uh, This was utter failure. What were we thinking? That could be the theme of the podcast. But hopefully not. Uh, just, just for the sake of our listeners and our viewers, I'd love to give them some a little bit of a snapshot in terms of who is Father Ed anyway, where is he at, how long has he been a priest, and uh, maybe a little bit of that stuff. Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Ron. Yeah, I'm uh, a priest of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, for 33 years. Uh, we are uh, kind of the west central part of the state of Wisconsin, and uh so, and have been in uh, very various assignments over the years. My current parish is St. Branislava. We believe we are the only St. Branislava parish in the United States. Um, and she's not even really a saint. She's only a blessed, but we love her anyway. And uh, <laughs> I love it. It's, it's a parish of about 1,800 families uh, with a very rapidly growing Hispanic ministry here mm. that we're just uh, thrilled to death about. Uh, we have a wonderful priest that joined our staff last August, Father Juan Pedro, and he's doing great things. So, um, yeah. And, uh, um, and like most pastors, you know, this goes back to a previous assignment. Um, you know, I was seeing decline in membership, decline in participation, the Mm -hmm. aging of our congregation and, uh, you know, kept trying different things, rolling out new programs and, People would come and they'd, 
you know, have their their cookies and punch afterwards and say, oh, it's a nice program, <laughs> Father, just like we, in Father Mallon's book on divine renovation and, uh, and things weren't really changing. And uh, um, I had done a lot of work with people in recovery, so I'd seen lives transformed uh, through the 12 steps of AA. And I'm like, why isn't this happening in our, our churches? And, uh, and so I landed upon Alpha and uh, was a first, uh, like, this is not for me. I almost walked out on a weekend away. And but... Tell that story. Don't just freeze back because you told me that before. It's a good story. Yeah, we were, we were, my faith formation director and I were checking out Alpha, and uh, there was a parish in Minnesota that uh, was uh, kind of advising us, and um, we asked if we could go on the weekend away just because we wanted to see what this was about, and we did. And, of course, the prayer ministry time came, and I was just like, this is not my cup of tea. This is not going to work for me or my parishioners. And, and um, you know, I was, I was so turned off that I, I probably would have left. In fact, I didn't even eat dinner that night. And as I always say, for me to miss a meal was a big deal. And, um, um, but uh, I had agreed to celebrate the Mass that night. It was the Feast of Christ the King. And um, afterwards, they asked me to pray with people. And I saw all kinds of stuff happening, people resting in the Spirit. So pray with people pray in with terms people. of during the prayer ministry time. Well, yeah, that had taken place earlier in the day. So this was like okay. additional prayer going on after ah. Mass that night. And so gotcha. I had been prayed over in the afternoon, was not comfortable, was mm. yeah, that, and... So anyway, so now I'm praying with people, and people are resting in the spirit and all uh, this stuff. And I was, this was really weird. This was not, yeah. this was way out of my comfort zone. And so I said, well, God, if this is real, you have to show me. And I went to one of the deacons, asked him to pray over me, and I was knocked off my feet, and my life was changed after that experience. So... Um. Yeah, and that's so, Father, that's that's like I just want to like because I remember the first time I was in a situation where that type of prayer was going on. I felt the exact same way you did. Like I went to run for my life. This isn't for me. It's not something I'm comfortable with. And I actually was able to, in the sense that once it was over, I didn't go back uh, for six years. And then mm. eventually I got blown off my feet and brought my whole faith alive. But neither about what you're saying is that, you know, cause sometimes I think, oh, you know, somebody really has to be ready. It's like, you didn't sound like you were one of it. <laughs> I was not ready. I was <laughs> not at all, but skeptical, you know, irritated. And, and yet the Lord still worked through yeah, all that. Yeah. And, and, and the change is still with me all these years later so that's what um like 13 years ago that that happened and um you know so so from that point on yeah. you know the real the lord really put in my heart just a, a passion for evangelization i began using alpha as a tool for that um and then eventually through alpha discovered divine renovation and i thought yes. well i gotta go see this parish in halifax and so i traveled there met uh, Ron and Father uh, James Mallon, and um, 
And now we've we've been doing Alpha here in the parish now where I'm currently at for several years. Took a few years to till the soil till we were uh-huh. ready for it. You know, one of the things I've learned is that all of this takes time. It's not a fast, uh, there are no silver bullets. Um, and, uh, um, and we were implementing a lot of the, what I would call best practices, things that I read in the book, things that I experienced at St. Benedict's. Um, and yet we just didn't seem to be reaping the fruit of, yeah. of all of that, you know, the way that I would hope we would in terms of just yeah. really kind of setting the parish on fire you know, raising up new leaders in the parish. And uh, so last summer, um, went with um, two of my staff and the pastor and several staff from a neighboring parish went to the Divine Renovation Conference in Texas. How did you get there? <laughs> they all flew. I rode my Harley from from Wisconsin to <laughs> Dallas, Texas. And, uh, That's awesome. Um, I had to get that in there. And, um, you know, um, and I got to spend some time with, with Ron and uh, had some good conversations. And, you know, and what I really took away from that conference that if I wanted to see the fruits of all the various things that we were trying, bits and pieces of yeah. good practices. Um, you know, we really needed to, you know, get into the coaching uh, situation, that we needed yeah. that that outside guidance and um, and forming a leadership team. And, you know, I have great staff, great staff, um, you know, but we really weren't that, we hadn't really moved in that direction of an actual leadership team, kind of a core right. group. And, um, so, and again, uh, Holy Spirit showed up in a powerful way at that conference. And, um, you know, so I think that was kind of when I made the decision, you know, to, uh, to move in that direction of getting a leadership team together and embarking on the whole coaching relationship. And so that's, that's where we're at now. So it's, it's been a long journey. Like I said, that first, uh, experience with the Holy Spirit was now about 12, 13 years ago. And uh, so it's uh, uh, been a journey, but, but I'm excited about where this, this next, uh, this next journey is going to take uh, not only myself, yeah. but my staff, our parish. So. Well, buckle up. We're going to have a ton of fun. <laughs> we just, uh, I just had the opportunity to meet a bunch of your staff in one-on-one meetings mm-hmm. in preparation for us to launch. We've got our strengths and our APEST uh, stuff in, and yeah. and we are going to have so much fun together. It's a treat. You know, Father Ed, your story's not unique. Um, I remember, well, lots of different times. Sometimes when I go to Alpha conferences and different parts of the world, I'll, I'll meet with people that have been kind of, um, you know, taking these leadership principles that they've learned through Divine Renovation or Rebuilt or Amazing mm-hmm. Parish or lots of other wonderful renewal yep. movements and, and and you know, and are doing their best to implement them and, and yet not seeing quite the fruit they thought they would or felt they should. Mm-hmm. Just know that there's something missing. And um, and that that is, you know, for some people, they dive headlong into coaching right away. That's fine. Other people, it's like, no, I got this. And then maybe come to coaching a little bit later. 
and and that's fine too. And, and yet there's some that don't ever bother, which is fine as well. Um, but I think it's going to be so fun. We're literally going to scratch in our in our books a year from now, a year, a year from today. We're doing this again. <laughs> like, was it worth it? Was it worth your time? What happened? Sure. Oh my gosh, are you crazy? Because it's. I don't think I've ever done a podcast with somebody just literally just as we're about to start this process together. It's kind of sure. fun. And and like I say, your experience of engaging in these principles and working with them is, uh, before we ever got to this point is actually very common as well. Yeah, well and so I think, I think your story will be one that people will want to follow for sure. What's your sure. hope as you, you know, as we sit on the precipice of of, of going forward, what's your hope? Yeah, so, what do you hope to solve or accomplish? Um, well, the hope is really just um, opening up the whole parish to the to the Holy Spirit and and the charisms that that are already there, igniting those things, and you know, really, um, well, transformation you know, cultural transformation of the parish so that we really become outward focused. And in many ways, we are doing that. I mentioned the Hispanic ministry, and I'm yeah. so proud of our English-speaking parishioners here because they've been nothing but welcoming and gracious to all of our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters who are beautiful, who are themselves feeling very welcomed and at home here in our midst. And we're late to the game, I'm sorry to say. Obviously, the need is far greater than I think any of us realized. And, um, you know, so so that being focused outward. But obviously, you know, there's just a lot of people in our community, just like I would imagine any community that, you know, don't, don't know the Lord, um, you know, don't have a church community, or if they uh -huh. were Catholic, they've drifted away. And, you know, and again, we're, we're, we're seeing... You know, a few individual cases here and there of people coming back to the church and, um, you know, that type of thing. But I, I, I want to reach more people and uh, for the Lord. And, you know, and so that's that's what I'd like to see more of, you know, yeah. it's, it's so we're we're I think, you know, we're we've we've. A number of parishioners have gone through Alpha now, and so we've begun that yeah. that process. But it's taking it the next step, 100%. and you know, going beyond that, and you know, how do we develop that leadership pipeline and yeah. all of that? And that's where we're kind of you know hitting a snag and not knowing where to go. And then how do we uh -huh. really send our people out as those missionary disciples that are going to call, invite people in? And, yeah. um, you know, and keep extending that invitation. So, you know, so, you know, so we're, so we're, we've seen moderate success. I want to see tremendous success because yeah. I, you know, I just, um, I'm 59, just had my 59th birthday. So we can retire at age 70 in this diocese. Right. So I'm bad at math, so I don't know how many years that leaves me. But I don't want to spend the rest of my active priestly ministry uh. presiding over a dying institution. That's, Amen. You know, that's I, I, I just can't be satisfied with that. So praise God that you can't because some are. And and I can't work with people like that because 
you know, well, they wouldn't reach out anyway. But, but, but if somebody doesn't have that fire, as I'm listening to you, I, I get very excited because you're like, <laughs> I want to reach more people for Christ. Like, oh gosh, I love working with people like that. And, you know, and I want to, I want to go from moderate success to tremendous success. And again, sure. I start jumping for joy because if you don't have that in your belly, nobody's going to be able to help anybody. Right. Right. Like we, you know, you know, we just can't like. We both have to have that hunger, that desire, that passion, that belief that God can even work through people like you and I. Yes, even you and I, imagine, uh, that, that, that he could do something great. And if we believe that, that he's that good, oh my gosh, it's, then it just becomes so much fun. Yes, no, it's well, not well, easy, but it is right, fun. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. I love that. Moderate success to tremendous <laughs> success. Oh, I might, we might have the title of the podcast, that. It's such, such a good line. Somebody tweet it quick. <laughs> so good. Um, that's so beautiful. And it sounds like, and, and I know that we first connected because you invited me to come to a, to be a speaker at a, a deanery love conference, it. the first deanery conference you guys ran in. Talk about tremendous success. Holy yeah. smokes, you filled that place. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what a treat that was. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a great experience. Uh, yeah, I happen to be dean or um, there's other titles for that too. Uh, sure. But um, so I kind of oversee Portage County, which there's about 16 Catholic parishes and a K-12 Catholic school system. And uh, so I, I'm, you know, kind of the, uh, the bishop's representative in this this region, so yes. of the diocese, and uh, so yeah, so at the suggestion of another pastor um, who was one of the ones that came with us to Dallas last summer, um, uh -huh. you know, we we organized this convocation. We had input from all the parishes, and Ron was the keynote. We we uh -huh. uh, rented the convention center in Stevens Point, and. Uh, um, had a had a wonderful experience. It was a great day. Yeah, it really was. Well done to you and the planning team. You guys <laughs> really brought everybody out. It was just wonderful. But then I also got to go back and spend time. Uh, Father Ed's a great cook, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he cooked a great meal, met the, the priest the day before. And, and then also we got to do some praise and worship night at oh, your church. And, and that was beautiful again. And, and so I do see the the... the get to meet some people from your parish and there really is a heart. I think, I think your church is at a place where this next step of evolution and impact is prime. Like I think you're prime for this breakout. Um, I love too. you know, you mentioned you've been running alpha for a number of years and, you know, and then, you know, beyond like what's next beyond alpha. And it's such an important question because alpha often say alpha is the, alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet and you can't make a sentence with one letter. Right. And, right. And, you know, or in other words, alpha is a small piece of a bigger puzzle and the bigger puzzle is the church. Uh -huh. And alpha is just a small piece, an important piece because it creates the passion and the zeal. But boy, that peters out if, if, if we don't, once we get momentum, if we don't keep momentum. And so again, those types of things, as we bring alignment um, yeah, it's it's going to create that leadership pipeline that yeah, we all long yeah, for in the church. Yeah. Like, and we do have and, some things that we follow up with Alpha with, but they're mainly like personal growth stuff, which is which yes. is great. Mm -hmm. I want to see you know the Leader missionary formed. effort, mm -hmm. you know, going yeah. out and bringing others in. You know, mm -hmm. that's 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 the goal. I guess I would uh, I would like to see. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so those other things are great. And, pe- you know, and we have large numbers that are, you know, participating in other, you know, follow-up programs to Alpha. And, uh, great. you know, so people are growing spiritually. Um, I just am trying to find a way. How do we get them to, yeah. you know, be those ones that are bringing others in to grow yeah. as well? So That's a good point. You know, I, I was just coaching a group of priests yesterday. And I asked them, have any of you ever personally invited someone to to Jesus who's had a transformational encounter? Okay. Changed their whole life. Have you have you ever been used by God to do that? And they all thought for a minute and none of them say could I say yes. Like and that's that's how many years of theological training in the seminary. And so, you know, education in and of itself and and more information isn't necessarily the key to success. No. And that's what I had tried for years. And even went off and got a doctorate in, in homiletics, thinking if I was just a, a better preacher, I'd pull them in. And, uh, um, you know, but uh, like I said, it just lives. People might have been in, intellectually enriched, maybe. Right. Um, but, um, but that transformation of, of life... Um, just didn't seem to be happening. So right. Well, and and I want to pull that back to what you said earlier too, Father Ed, because you said I've I've done a fair bit of work in the recovery area, and I've seen lives transformed by the twelve step program. Sir, and so I know life transformation is possible, yeah, but I'm not seeing it in the church. <laughs> that's, that's exactly well, what Father. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would just kill me. I'd be in meetings, and you know, people would say, "Well, I was raised Catholic, but I never knew Ugh. God until I got into AA." You know. Yeah. Um, and and of course, you know, I would hear it at times from people who had left the Catholic tradition to yeah. go to an evangelical tradition, uh-huh. and I'll say. I, I didn't know Jesus till I till I got here, you know. Uh, so and I'm like, well, boy, what are we missing? What are what's yeah? What are we, you know? And and it it's it's been a long journey to kind of figure out what that 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 uh, is, and um, you know, and I think it's really that encounter with the Holy Spirit, that that love of God that's poured out into us, and that's that's what changes lives. So uh, it's not anything I can teach or preach. It's it's just helping people to have that encounter. And uh, yeah, you know, um, one of the things that I think I think one of the reasons Alpha can can be a great tool for that comes from something I heard at an Alpha conference. Actually, the last Alpha conference, I know that second last Alpha conference I went to in the U.S., there was a a gentleman who said, listening to someone is so akin to loving someone that the average person can't tell the difference. Uh And Alpha makes space for people to speak and be Uh heard. Uh And that is such a an important part of the, you know, Sherry Waddell's five thresholds of conversion, like Uh trust. Yeah, you know, you don't build trust when it's like, okay, sit down, be quiet, and I'm going to speak at you, and you're going to nod your head, and then you're going to leave, and you're going to be changed. Really? Like maybe not. And yeah. so that can be really helpful if you have somebody who's who's trust committed and sold out, and then receiving. Oh, sure. But 
but that that whole space of creating an environment where people can be listened to, heard, validated, accepted, belong, you know, and bring them to that place of encounter. And I and I think that's where Pope Francis has been trying to lead us with the emphasis on synodality, you know, being a listening church that that walks together, you know. Yeah. And uh that communal dimension of our faith. And uh you know, cuz sometimes you hear well Alpha isn't Catholic and I'm like, well, what's not Catholic about it? Yeah, it doesn't touch on everything in the church, but the gospel and the communal experience that we come to faith mm. not so much as individuals yes there are those individual moments but you know it usually happens in the context of a community i mean the the, the when the holy spirit knocked me off my feet i wasn't yeah. sitting alone you know somewhere i was in the midst of a group of people who were praying and you know someone stretched out their hands to pray over me and you know i think you know we we come to faith in a communal setting and uh, uh, um it, that's not to say that god doesn't work in our individual times of prayer and everything but of course I, but i but that community aspect of it so um uh, there's another fellow that uh and his name is father ed too and um he timed out in ministry in terms of his health and stuff. And I remember meeting him, Father Simon Lobo and I were speaking at the Mid-Atlantic Congress. Uh, we thought we were going to give a few talks. Turned out we were responsible for giving 17 hours of content to the same 75 people. Wow. Three days of like, <laughs> in three oh days. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> that was just like a university course in three days. And uh, So we ended up pulling it together thanks to Father Simon's amazing capacity to break things down. Um, but I remember reading this priest there and, and he had a similar story to you in, uh, in, in a way, like, uh, things were really happening at the Steubenville Franciscan Steubenville university. And Mike's father, Mike Scanlon was the president there, I think at the well, time. And, and they were holding conferences that, you know, people really had some incredibly profound encounters. And, and so somebody convinced him to go as a young priest and it's like I don't need that stuff and it's like oh. so he went and and he sat there the whole time with his arms crossed and a frown on his face and <laughs> and then he left he's like see that was useless I didn't need to go that was dumb and and, uh, and so so Father Mike Scanlon happened to be passing by and this guy said oh there's Father Mike there and so he yelled out to him Father Mike came over and he said Father Mike I'd like you to meet my friend Father Ed and other Mike said, you know, did, did you experience anything during the conference? And he said, no. And he said, can I pray with you now? I said, all right. And he laid his hands on him and the Holy Spirit right. came upon him like he'd never experienced in his life. And it changed everything. And he said, Ron, I spent the rest of my life living my priesthood, trying to bring that to life at the local parish. And he entered into coaching, you know, and he said, because it's the first time that he heard, was he heard Father Simon and I speak, he said, you're the first people I've ever heard to speak systematically into the very thing that my heart's always longed for and I knew and I'd experienced, but I didn't know how to bring it to life right. in my church. Right. And um, and it and it's, 
Isn't that our heart's desire? I remember at the were you at Divine Renovate DR sixteen or DR eighteen? No, or? no. What, what, which you didn't were not at either one. No, I was just at this last one. So whatever number that oh, was. Oh, in Texas. In Texas. In Texas sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, in DR sixteen, when we had the first one in Halifax, the third day was all about Alpha. And I want to share the story because I think it's so funny. Um, and you know, there's lots of time for prayer, and Mass is very exuberant, and we have prayer nights, and like it's it's a cool conference and. The Holy Spirit is very prominent in in what we do and who we are, and and then a full day on the nuts and bolts of Alpha, and and then there was a Q and A at the very end, and so I was the one going around with the roving microphone, and the people from Alpha um, Global were there, and and people were asking questions. It was the last question, so I bring the microphone over to this lady sitting in the middle of this packed gym full conference center, and. I give her the fo- microphone, and her, her shoulders are kind of slumped over, and and then she like puts her hand in her head, and she gives this big sigh, <sighs> and you can tell she's thinking, and she keeps pausing before she says something. The buildup and the tension of what she's going to say. She's got us all sitting on the edge of her seat, and finally she says, "Okay, I get it. This stuff works." But is there any way we can do it without this Holy Spirit stuff? <laughs> that was the best yeah. question because I'm sure 80% of the people in the room felt the exact same way but didn't have the courage to say it. It's like anything but the Holy Spirit, yeah. please. Yeah. Like we have a binary faith, don't we? Like Oof. is it really a trinity? Like do we have to include him? And, you know, the, and so it's the temptation, but it's also many people's lived experience because I find as we do Alpha, as we lean into more and more opportunities for people to grow in friendship with the Holy Spirit, for most Catholics, that's brand new. You know, and it's okay. But I'm not so sure it's not the difference maker. I'm not so sure that that it's not the Holy Spirit that does the lion's share of the work when it comes to transformed lives. And we can do church for a long period of time without seeing lives transformed. We can make people smarter we can make them more knowledgeable, but we're not necessarily transforming lives. Um, and that is what you're looking for by the sounds of it. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and, and you know it because you've experienced it. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. And, and again, yeah. And then how do we channel that energy yeah. and enthusiasm into, you know, building up the parish, certainly, but also, again, Community. that going out and reaching uh, those that that don't know the Lord. So Yeah. You know, my experience of doing this and helping others do this, and you're right, it does take time, so I'm so glad you started from that place. Phew! <laughs> <laughs> and the bigger to... the parish, the longer it takes. The bishop would show up every year for confirmation after I arrived, right? I in my seventh year here, and he'd yes. show up and he'd say, so um, how's Alpha going? I said, Bishop, I haven't started it yet. You know, well, why not? So now <laughs> it takes time. I got I got to build some street cred with these people so they trust that I'm not leading them down some crazy path. And, you right. know, and I'm sure some still do, but it's, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it does take, time you know yeah. it's uh 
it and uh, but it's but you know as they say God's timing's perfect so in mm-hmm. in the end he'll move you know when when the time is is right and but we have yeah. we have to do our part certainly but we sure do and that's where I too father I think working out of a team is going to be so helpful for you and any any of our listeners that have even ever thought about that like it's one of the benefits of working with a team because we all have our pace that's right. right and you know would you put your pace as really fast or really slow or in the middle somewhere like where would you put yourself um pace in terms of leadership probably slow i'm one okay. who really likes to gather a lot of information and carefully sure. discern and so probably I'm sure I probably frustrate people. It takes me a while to make a decision, but but once sure. I get there, then you sure. know it's full speed ahead. And uh, sure. So. And so, as a pastor, as a leader, on your own, that's probably always going to be your pace, always going to be your working style, yeah. and always going to be your approach. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, if you're crazy enough to bring people around you who have other strengths and gifts, well, and then share your leadership with them. Then you're still clearly the 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 one responsible. You're clearly the one in charge. But sharing your leadership means you're you're submitting yourselves to one another. So then all of a sudden there's group wisdom, and so the pace is going to change. Doesn't mean it's going to be super fast, but it's probably going to be different than it is now when you're leading no, alone. Oh, well, you know, doesn't your staff? They're helping you execute, but sharing leadership, sharing decision making, sharing tactical planning, holding ourselves accountable to one another and doing what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it creates a, a cadence and a momentum that that um, is, you know, because if you're super fast, you probably need to slow down. If you're super slow, you probably need to speed up. And and so there's this, this neat spot where we can kind of hit this sweet spot together if we agree on what success looks like or the impact sure. we're called to have. And then we're having the regular cadence of meetings that we need. I think what you're going to find is how you lead is going to shift and the results that you get are going to, um, they're going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the nice thing about it too is if you make those decisions together, then you're not necessarily the one to blame. You get to blame it on everybody else. It's just, don't, right. don't look at me. It's our fault. <laughs> it's wrong, stupid idea anyway. <laughs> uh, and we've tried things that that haven't worked, and you know, and you know, but uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so fun. You know, one of the things that I find challenging in every church, no matter what the size, volunteer staff, or what have you, as we continue to be intentional about where you guys feel God's calling you, like in, in the context of where you're at, your community, and and so forth. Um, you know, getting the right people in the right seats on the bus uh-huh. is a really important part of that. Well, sure At right. every level, volunteer staff, you name it. Um, what's been your experience? Is that something you're thinking? Yeah, I agree. And yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. No? And we we had a lot of staff transition uh, in the last okay. year. In fact, right before I left on my Harley for Dallas, I found out that our youth minister had felt the call to go into teaching full-time at a Catholic high school, so she was leaving us. And then after I arrived in Texas, found out another key employee was leaving for another position. And 
I would yeah. have taken the fun yeah. of the drive. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, um, and I knew already that our our business manager was moving towards retirement. Right. And, yes. Yes. And uh, so, um, you know, but the and this was again one of the ways the Holy Spirit really moved at that mm-hmm. conference because I was feeling overwhelmed by by all of this. And during one of the prayer sessions towards the end of the conference, and I'm, it was Dr. Mary Healy uh, spoke, I guess you would call it maybe a word of knowledge, but knowledge. whatever it was, she was speaking directly to me, I felt, and, uh-huh. um, you know, and just, uh, again, had profound, you know, experience of the Holy Spirit during that prayer session. And, you know, I felt a serenity and a peace about everything, that things would be okay. And, um, you know, but it's 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 been a long year because we didn't fill either of those two positions, although I've just hired a youth minister who will be starting this summer. And, uh, and with the other positions, it gave us a chance to kind of look at job descriptions and True. tweak some things. And, uh-huh. um, you know, so instead of a parish secretary, we've hired a pastoral assistant um, yeah. who will have some of those administrative assistant duties, but a more pastoral role. And, uh, and she's bilingual, which was, again, not something we were thinking about last summer. That's how fast this Hispanic ministry has grown. And, um, and so right now we're still, we're looking for an operations director. Our, okay. our business manager is the one who's retiring. And so we're looking to fill the operations director position. And uh, what would be their so, general responsibility and what kind of person are you looking for? Well, um, and, and again, this was something that kind of came from from the conference. You know that that you skills can be taught; people can learn skills. But you know, to look for people with that commitment to the mission of the parish and the vision, and um, who really have that passion for for Christ and for the church. And so that's 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 the big thing. Um, you know, to find that and. Um, you know, uh, and, and that's that's been true with all these positions that we've been been trying to fill, and uh, so that's that's first and foremost, and um, and then um, you know, so so basically they would be responsible for kind of the day to day operation of the the parish, and mm-hmm. um, so which would relieve me of some administrative <laughs> responsibilities, yeah. and you know. Um, and and yet um, it's different from the business manager position in that there is a bit more of a pastoral dimension to it as well. And, um, you know, it, and it would include things like kind of overseeing, you know, the finances. Obviously, there's a, a bookkeeper, accountant, but, you know, kind of uh, working in that area, um, development, stewardship, um, and... Um, but even you know, including the person in on like the the uh, preaching uh, development and developing ah. series, we've been trying to to work at that, and uh, um, and uh, so uh, having that person give input uh, when 
you know, when yeah. when necessary or perhaps even ongoing. We'll see, mm-hmm. it all kind of depends on the individual. And, of course. Uh, you know, so, um, and, uh, um, and so they would be kind of working too with all of our organizations. This parish, uh, that's, I think this is why we're a good match for the Hispanic community because it's a Polish parish and every, everything revolves around food. There's always food. <laughs> so working with all of our, all of our various societies and, yeah. committees and all that and all the it's a, it's a this is a very busy busy parish a lot goes on right. here and a lot of it entails food and the use of facilities and so yeah. someone to bring coordination to that so they'd be working with those bodies yeah. as well uh pastoral council you know all those all those things so very senior position yeah oh yes basic basically they would have my delegation to kind of run a lot yeah. of what goes on here in the, in the parish. So I'd be, and that's, you know, I know I'm going to have to learn how to let go too. And, um, you know, cause, cause right now people come to me with everything and yeah, that's the affliction of most parish priests or pastors is that they become a bottle. And that's going to be a change for the parish, you know? Mm. So, um, so again, it's going to take time, you know, to work our, ourselves into that, that whole new, groove of, of yeah. being and that's why i think though you know uh please god will we'll find someone before uh fran uh. wraps up her time with us and um you know that uh that it'll coincide with uh the beginning of our coaching and uh you right. know so that would be like i said god's timing is always right so i'm i'm trusting well, that's gonna happen the um as this podcast goes out, as you're listening to this, reach out to Father. Yeah. And how would they get in touch with you guys at the church? To see um, if that well, so our parish website is www.stbrons.com. That's probably Perfect. the easiest way you'll find all our contact info mm-hmm. there. Love so. that. And so, you know, it, it is, you know, when somebody as a lay person is so passionate about Jesus and his church Thank and you. excellence and, right and trying to get tremendous uh, impact, not just mediocre impact, like you mentioned right. earlier. And, and you have a pastor who who's loves bringing new people to faith, willing to use Alpha as a tool, has follow-up steps, has the humility to be coached and lead out of a team. I think for a lot of lay people, it's like they would die to be in a <laughs> church like that with a pastor like that, with a vision like that. So if that's you and you're listening going, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to live in Wisconsin, then I'm telling you. <laughs> it's probably not quite as cold as Nova Scotia, but... <laughs> but Get on that website We're right racing now. for snow again tonight, so... <laughs> but I do ride a Harley, so, you know, so, so summer does come, even in Wisconsin. It's right. You don't drive with chains on that thing. No, no, no. (laughs) You have some good weather. That's so fun. Uh, Father Ed, as we wrap up, I'm I'm just wondering, how would you articulate, you know, if you go, imagine parishioners are going to listen to this because it's always fun to hear your pastor and watch your pastor and, and on a podcast and so forth. But what's your heart for them, for their kids? Like, what, what do you hope in the next three years we can accomplish together and how they'll experience that? Well, again, um, just that 
you know, the thing that comes to my most is, is that encounter with Jesus that, that transforms lives and, um, and, and that, that continued sense of, of community that again, that encounter and that transformation doesn't take place in a vacuum. It happens within a community. And, and so really building, strengthening that sense of community. And again, I think that's where Alpha is so helpful because people get a taste uh-huh. of small group fellowship. Because again, we're 1,800 families plus a big Hispanic population. So, you know, it's easy to get get lost in here or just be a name in a database. Uh-huh. And I'd like, I, I always say a parish should be a place, and maybe this comes from Father Malin, I don't know, but it should be a place where people are are known, loved, and cared for. But, you know, that's impossible for me to do for everybody. So I guess that's my vision is how do we raise up a, a parish community that can do that for each other? Yeah. Oh. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I just came back from a, a speaking trip in Mexico, and there are people from seven different countries down in that area, all Hispanic speaking. And what a rich fun, vibrant, mm-hmm. faith-filled group oh, of people oh. I was with. And so I know the Hispanic community has so much capacity to bring life and joy Lovely. and community and commitment and, to And we're to, blessed. You know. It's a young Hispanic community. We have a ton of kids and young parents, and so it's just really exciting. We're, we, we're just wrapping up our first alpha in Spanish, and uh, the day away... And this past Monday was the healing session, and <laughs> it was just wonderful to be able to to pray uh, with them and uh, and see their response wow. to all of that. So, oh yeah. wow, that's terrific. Well, Father, I thank you for for making the time to, to really to record this right before we start. I think it's going to be a really fun case study to connect again. Uh, yeah. Not that we're not going to see each other, but everybody else will see us yeah. together and yeah. we'll be able to share some of the learnings, the insights, the That's struggles, not. and just be really brutally honest about it because I think it is part of the evolution of pastors to 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 um, find new gears of leadership impact and understanding how to mobilize the baptized in a way that gets mm-hmm. results. And mm-hmm. so good yep. on you. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening today. Uh, please remember to hit the thumbs up button, subscribe. If you're listening on uh, Apple, then please rate the podcast. All those things make a difference in spreading the good news, the spreading this conversation of leadership and impact. We will see you next time. God bless. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, You are powered for impact.